0: once again, this is nuance. Thank you all for joining us. As always, I'm Mike scholar joined by Jay Carter, also known as timid,
1: the hop artist and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Ah, uh, not, you know, as uh, as we were talking about in the in the pregame, um, just finishing up this this Nas masterclass. So
0: yes, and we actually had a discussion on that, if you recall, right here on nuance a while back it might have been when i was in maryland all the way down to florida that might have been the episode
1: Mm. i think we we mentioned it that i was going to dig into it and you you've already seen seen this one and uh yeah yeah i was gonna say at that point i had seen it and you didn't see it yet and so you weren't able to give your thoughts on it so now that you have seen it what do you think about it no, it's it's not what I expected. I thought there would be, it would be, you know, master class. I thought it would be some sort of a class. There'd be some sort of uh, actionable information where it's more just an interview with with whoever the subject is. Or at least, let me be fair, I've only seen this one. So the others could be very different. And I look forward to, to seeing some from some other people like Timbaland. Look forward to some investing ones. And maybe there might be different takeaways. But for this one, it just, yeah. I'm, Kind of disappointed actually right and i think that was part of my
0: feedback as well when i saw it that it wasn't really structured as a class so you kind of feel like it's not exactly as advertised it almost seems like the master class gimmick is just that a gimmick to sell wow. this as a class but it really it's a collection of interesting people talking about what they do and i think that's insightful to watch right. but if you're expecting it to be like school it's really not most of the time
1: right um and before i got started like i was what i was impressed with is you know when you uh, go to a masterclass you've got a, a packet that you can download that's got an info an informative packet and that's pretty robust as far as you know information on it um a little bit of backstory or whatever um did you download the Nas one? I didn't didn't see one for Handwork. Look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I downloaded the Nas one. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's well done. And um let me see how many pages was it? I forgot, but um yeah, I was impressed with that. And so I was I had high hopes for the, the class because I was like, wow, if they're putting this much effort into uh just this, then you know that might be uh some good info in there.
0: And to yeah. be fair, I think there was some good info. I mean, he kind of starts off by saying there's really nothing that you don't know already. right? So, you know, you have to, I guess, temper your expectations a little bit. But it was good to kind of be taken into his mind and his process. And even if it's just for your own validation, because you're like, OK, what he's doing really isn't any different from what I do. And I think I even said last time that there's a positive and there's a negative in that as well, because the negative to that is well damn so there's no magic formula here he's just doing the same thing i do but he's a master it, right even though you know i think we think of, think of ourselves as pretty good also but it's like it's like damn, to, to see someone who could do it that effortlessly you're like wow i wish there was a secret he could teach me but no, he just you know it's just like anything else in life it's just a lot of reps a lot of practice
1: yeah and and that you know what i mean that that was another thing that i was thinking like maybe it's to me it's not like um this revolutionary because like you said it's something that we do also so it's like okay yeah i i understand that feeling i i get that like i'm where's the jewels i want something new i want something right. fresh but you know
0: but right. so you know i think maybe a positive takeaway from that is there can be some validation in knowing that what you're doing is not wrong right like if you see
1: right. the same way you've been doing it all right you're onto something that's keep practicing keep trying to get better right yeah so yeah, I mean, even in the way that he um, was putting together, they I mean they, they had just that one video where it was not a very long video where he was recording a, a, a verse with uh, Hip Boy, and the way that he was going through it was not. I mean, he didn't seem prepared, but the part where he was just like like mumbling with the beat and trying to just vibe and find words to go with it, like that was very relatable because you know, as and as you know a beat comes on like even when you're, you're writing a verse like you may just start saying nonsense in your head to get the the pattern to get the flow to get the vibe and something might pop up and that can lead to something that you write off of and whatnot you yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah no absolutely and just seeing him even record some of those mumbles or ideas like like half-baked bars right? right that's kind of an interesting approach i know some people do that or, but that's not something i've ever really done i've certainly played the beat a million times and said different things to myself while trying to figure out what i wanted to do but i never really got on the mic and started recording maybe maybe a little bit but not not a whole lot of that like usually by the time i start recording i have a pretty good idea of where i want to go with it but it seemed like he would just like immediately record whatever he had in his mind even if it wasn't a finished thought and then he would go back and try to make it
1: better i've done something similar but more like not not really where I go back and, and do that but like where um if i have a certain type of flow that i want on this beat and i haven't finished the the verse yet i might go in and record like a couple of bars so i can remember the the flow the next time i go to say it because it might be different it might you know and the next time i hear the beat i might hear a different way of saying it but i want to do it this way and so i might throw it down and later listen to it so i can know how to write right right Yeah. no
0: but it was really interesting to see that come together i think really what sells it is that it's Nas, right like if it was someone who wasn't as acclaimed or as prominent in hip-hop culture it would be like all right this is nothing new or interesting or fascinating it's just a guy recording so what we could do the same thing but to see nas who is considered one of the masters of emceeing do it even if it's that validation even if you're doing something you can relate to or just like oh wow okay so he does it that way just watching him in his process a little bit i think is worth the price of a mission in its own right, even if you're not getting that classroom experience you might have been expecting.
1: Yeah, maybe it's just, yeah, it's a little bit of a misnomer, I guess, master class, thinking, you know, but... You could could tell it was done in an interview format, and I mentioned this last time also,
0: because he would say something that on its face is presented like it's just him giving a lesson, but you could tell based on how it comes out that he's responding to a prompt that they're giving him because he'll mm. say something and then he'll go like this, like like he'll give it like a nod at
1: the yeah. end of, to let them know like he's done with his answer. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, how, like, I'm, I'm almost finished with it. One or two more go, to go. Um, and it's just like I said, it's just more his thoughts on some things and kind, of, kind of seemed like he wasn't very prepared like something that seems like he's kind of making it up. But as he goes along, I think so. It didn't seem like he went in there with a the whole lesson in mind. It was like, I'm right, on there. Right. but I think we've got, I think I've uh, gotten that same sense from Nas before in other interviews when they ask him about certain meanings behind lyrics or a certain uh, oh, thing. Yeah. And, and it just like, it sounds like he's making it up as he goes along to, you know, oh, no, the funny part was, man, I think it was the interview with the
0: Harvard professor and she was trying to find all these deep meetings in Ilmatic that he hadn't even thought of. And Right. I, that's the one. Yeah. And I forgot exactly what she was at, but she was like going like really deep into it. She's like, Oh, well this could have like four or five different meetings. Could it also be this could also be this. Does it mean this? And he was just
1: like, well, it does now. I didn't think of that, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's what I'm re- remembering. Cause we had a discussion on that. Like when that came out, it's like, he, he was just writing. He wasn't thinking that deeply apparently. Like, yeah. But that's art though a lot of painters even will
0: tell you like you can find all kinds of meaning in a painting maybe the painter didn't have it in mind maybe it was subconscious maybe it's just whatever they were feeling but the right. war right the person receiving the art can receive it in any way and that's what makes art so special right it can be interpreted a bunch of different ways and it could have right. different
1: meaning to you you know based on who you are what your thoughts and feelings are right and then how it resonates with someone else or how it res- yeah how it resonates with someone else so you know i, I just thought I got that sense again this time just more like yeah someone just told him like yeah dude it's 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 really easy. you just come in we ask you a bunch of questions we record it that's that's it yeah 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 here's a check you're good yeah yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> but
0: one thing i did find interesting in that also was how he admitted that he made mistakes and filmatics did you get to that part yet yeah, yeah. that that that's i true. thought was um so that's just alone and, and sly stone
1: he, he mixed up right. yeah right yeah, I mean, yeah, he meant to say sliced alone, but he right. said, yeah, sliced Stone. But, you know, I think that's I think that was an interesting bit because um, we've we've seen that right in some in some other songs that came out, not just from Nas, even some Jay-Z songs. Um, there are some bits where you're thinking that was a mistake, right? You know, not the verse, but even just like some random sounds that were left in and whatnot. Yeah yeah but it's like all right we'll just leave it in right but now it also makes the point
0: that sometimes that mistake adds an element of rawness to the song that actually enhances it and i've said this before watching a live performance i think we were talking about the chris rock special where he messed up at the end of his set right and i was like wow but that one mess up actually makes the set more impressive in a way because that's signaling to you that they're not cleaning up every mistake and so oh. if you want a whole hour without messing up and just messed up that one time that means everything that came before it was first take basically i mean unless they just kept a one in on purpose to throw you off but that's how you kind of receive it right like okay yeah. wow so that means that he messed up once but he didn't mess up for the rest of the time
1: yeah and in in live performances mistakes happen all the time like it's it's inevitable like everybody no matter what your level is someone's gonna you're gonna make a mistake at at some point like i've you know i've made mistakes on stage i've seen um i've seen snoop on stage made mistakes on stage um
0: the only real mistake you can make on stage though is to act like it's a mistake and like acknowledge it right like because you're expected, it's a live show, like you said. So you're expected to have slip ups. And most of the time the audience isn't going to know unless they know like word for word everything that you're saying and like they, you know, they're really that much in tune. But most of the time you just play it off like, it's, you know, you just keep going. And that's yeah. the show. It's just, you know, and that- it makes the show better because it shows how you can react on
1: your feet even. Yeah, I, I remember the, the Snoop, the Snoop one. It was a concert that I went to it was a long time ago and um, he did. He was doing a song and I don't remember what it was, but I think he messed up in the song. And so he stopped the song and he was like, yeah, let's just run that back. <laughs> I just started over and did it again.
0: Or like a classic one, it's like, you know, you mess up and then you're frustrated and now you fall off beat and now you're upset with yourself. So now you can't even think of the next bar. And like, now it's getting worse and worse. You got to play it off like, you know what, DJ, a cappella, let's go. Let's do the first a cappella.
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, but i mean that that, that's kind of an appeal of of live performances that there's going to be this lot this element that you know that you won't get in in a recording that's going to be the exact same every time it's funny you say that because i remember when i was a kid my grandfather
0: told me once we should stay up and watch saturday night live and i'm like why Mm -hmm. What's so special about staying up for that and he was like well it's live hopefully they'll mess up and we can catch them making
1: mistakes like that was the appeal of watching it for him yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah there i mean there is an appeal of seeing something that's not super polished all the time you know like nuance yeah sure absolutely people don't realize
0: like we just get on here a few minutes before we start and say what do you want to talk about today some people think we prepare a master class <laughs> 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 like the whole week like they'll hit me up On a wednesday or a thursday so what's on the agenda for next tuesday i'm like i don't know we'll figure it out five minutes before we go live on tuesday yeah
1: yeah
0: (laughs) but one more point i wanted to make real quick on mistakes being left in songs a big one was the 50 cent verse on the eminem album where he said she said she's an inspiring actress instead of an aspiring actress and i think we were like no one in the studio told him that that's wrong he should change that right like, yeah someone at some point would have said hey fifth like you, sh- you might want to change that this is gonna be embarrassing. this is an Eminem
1: album you sh- sure you want to say this on here yeah and, and the one there's one um and i can't think of the name of the jay-z song where at the end of it it sounds like someone was supposed to say something then it gets cut or no, i know what you're talking about. it's um on the rough riders album the giga that one
0: that one yeah i think that's it yeah, it, it leaves like an outtake of that female singer right. yeah. saying the chorus and it was like she starts saying it and stops herself because she realized that she wasn't supposed to say it again or whatever. And right. they just that part in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's clearly a mistake, but it's... Oh, smart. yeah.
0: But yeah. I kind of think that might have been left in intentionally, almost like a, a prank or a joke or something like funny,
1: some like more, more flavor to add to So I don't know if they overlooked that. Yeah. What was it? What was it? It's a little bit off topic, but I did just see recently um, a an interview with I think it was forget who it was, but he was talking about on that uh, Tupac song that originally Inspect the Deck was on the verse, but Tupac cut him out of the verse, and so at the end of, end of that song you hear this open space and you can hear just a few backups. <laughs> so when yeah. I think it was Daz mixed it, Daz left the backups in for the Deck's verse. And so all you hear is this, an accent over a word or two um, that the hat second half of a word or two that goes throughout the end of the ride out. And it's like, and so like the verse has now made its way on the internet it was actually a pretty dope verse, but I guess Tupac either thought it was competition or whatever and had it cut. And so Daz just kind of let the backups in there. That seemed like a mistake. Was that, yeah, I was going to say, was that done deliberately or? I think he, I think Daz did it deliberately. I think he met, I think the guy said that it was Daz that did it, but yeah. Why would he do that deliberately? They like, thought it was enhancing the song
0: somehow or just like thought it was funny? I don't know. I don't know, but. I like how DJ Premier will throw out your backup track. And this was something that I long suspected he did. Because I would notice that when an artist would do a song produced by Premier and Premier was mixing it, there would be no backups. And that's like a very nerdy, like you know, hip hop thing. Like you really have to be paying attention to that kind of thing. But I would always notice that. Like how come on the one Premier song on the album there are no backups? It's because Premier. And I heard him say this. He doesn't use them. Like you'll send him your your verse and your backups and your ad He'll just take the main vocal and disregard the other
1: stuff. Wow, I never heard that. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I have to have to listen to hear if there's you know anything like that. Interesting. Fine. So
0: Queen's DA's race. Yes, Queen's (laughs) DA's race. Since polls close at nine PM, I hope everyone out there voted who's eligible. And some confusion on this if you are a registered Republican or working families or conservative or not enrolled in a party you're an unaffiliated voter you actually do not have a primary locally here at least in queens because there is no competitive election um of course you have to be enrolled in a party to vote in that party's primary but if you're in those parties which are non-democratic parties there don't happen to be two candidates or more running in any race today and so there just won't be a primary for you if you're a democrat here in this area they've got the Queen's DA's race, district attorney, as well as a civil court judge race. And so these are the races on the ballot today. We should hopefully have results shortly after polls close, although today is sometimes hard to get results right away, especially in close races. I don't know how close these will be, but we'll keep an eye on that tonight. So of course, the big one there is Queen's district attorney. You've got the incumbent Linda Katz. And what's interesting about that one is you've got a candidate running. To the left on a very progressive platform, and then a candidate running to the right on a more conservative platform, she's more moderate. In fact, her mailer that she sent out highlights both respecting people's rights and being tough on crime, right? So she's trying to show that she can walk and chew gum at the same time, I guess, as we've talked about here before. So that's her lane, right? You've got people thinking that the focus should be on locking more people up, and then people who think the focus should be more on uh, respecting people's rights. She's trying to walk that middle line there. She would be described certainly in this particular race as the moderate candidate, given the field. And so it'll be fascinating to see how Queens votes because in some way, this is a measure of the ideological makeup of Democratic voters in Queens. Now I say that with the caveat that she, Melinda Katz, is the incumbent and certainly has the most political organization and endorsements and infrastructure behind her. And so you have to take that into consideration as well, that she's coming into this with the most power and she's expected to win. So it may not be an exact measurement of everyone's uh, ideology if she's able to deliver her message with more resources than the other candidates, keep that in mind. But nonetheless, it is interesting data to look at and see kind of where people's
1: affiliations lie. Yeah, you know, this is this I find the same thing. It makes me a little uncomfortable here as as when we talk about um, judges elections, the fact that you have a a, a district attorney who is either conservative or liberal or progressive, like to have these labels attached to people that are supposed to be unbiased in terms of enforcing the law. That kind of makes me uncomfortable. I don't just doesn't sit right. Doesn't see It doesn't seem like that's what it should be. It sounds counterintuitive to what they're supposed to be doing. Right. I agree. It's an attorney and it's a prosecutor ultimately. Right. You run
0: to be the prosecutor for Queens, and so it's really part of the judicial system, if you wish. Right now, not exactly a judge, not exactly the courts. It's a lawyer before the courts. So, so it is more political in its in that capacity but nonetheless like you're saying it's not a position that should be overtly political right it's a prosecutor so you would think their function would be to prosecute people who commit crimes without regard for political leanings or ideology you know with that said it is an election and everything right now is hyper partisan and political and when you're running for a position like that people are going to want to know what your philosophy is as a prosecutor so right so if you say i think that you know um people aren't being locked up enough people who are criminals are out on the street and we need to be harsher on people even who commit petty offenses right you have the broken windows theory things like that there are people who think that that you should just try to get as many people as you can locked up who are doing things that we don't like or, or that that are criminal to some degree, even if not very serious, because it leads to more serious crimes. People think that you kind of cast a wide net and you're going to get more bad apples off the street. So there's that philosophy. Then you have the uh, philosophy on the other side, which is that we need to really focus on reforming the criminal justice system. And maybe even we're being too punitive as a society and people's rights aren't being respected. There's a philosophy out there that, you know, I don't agree with it, but you'll hear people say that. The reason crime is up is because we're over-policed. They'll say that people feel like crabs in a bucket or, you know, like they're in this police state, they're always being watched, they're always being uh, scrutinized, and that makes them on edge and gives them anxiety, and that's what drives crime up, right? I think it's a much more complicated uh, scenario than that. I don't think that, that's very, very reductive thing to say that serves that, that particular political agenda. But... It is a philosophy that's out there also. And so and then you have people like Katz who try to walk the line a little bit and say, Listen, we want to be able to address crime and be tough where it's warranted. But we also want to make sure we're respecting people's rights and we're not overcharging. So she's trying to find a balance there. And I think these are all valid questions to ask candidates running for that role. But when you start getting into those conversations, I think those labels are going to be inevitable. People are going to classify them as aggressive, moderate or conservative based on their philosophy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is, it's just, I don't know, it just, like I said, it seems, seems counterintuitive. And it's, it's a little bit um, uncomfortable, I guess, is the word I'm trying Definitely to Definitely is. Yeah, and even more so
0: when it comes to judicial candidates, right? Yeah. People running for judges, because you don't know a whole lot about their philosophy, because they're not supposed to really tell you much about that, right? And, and really talk about their background.
1: Yeah, their, their, their personal philosophy shouldn't necessarily come into play is I don't know, yeah. So then how do you decide... Which candidate to vote for that's why a lot of people don't vote for these local
0: positions even though people should vote for everything that they're allowed to a lot sure. of people just don't know what the candidates really stand for you know and then it's like well which club is this candidate running with which district leader backed this judge for nomination or you know who's which part is the party behind this one or is this the insurgent or the 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 you know the county candidate and then it's like you know well i think i'm more an outsider so i'm gonna vote for the insurgent or i i like the party people or whatever it is people vote based on affiliations and yeah know, absolutely. With. because no, I, there's a whole lot of information they can
1: get about how they would be as judges yeah and and then of course on the flip side of it you you i, I understand that for example you wouldn't want to put the the hanging judge um on on the bench um versus someone who's going to be a little bit more thoughtful someone who's going to be a, a lot more punitive Uh, and a lot more, you know, vindictive in their their rulings versus someone that's going to have more compassion and understanding. Like, you know, I I get that. It's just the associating these rules that are supposed to be um, non-political and and non-partisan with parties just sounds a little counterintuitive. It does, though. And that intuition is spot
0: on, especially when you consider the fact that judges in particular are supposed to be checks against the political process in a sense, right, even though they're part of it in terms of them being elected, they're supposed to be checks on the executive branch and the legislative branch. And so if the legislature passes a law that's unconstitutional and the governor or the mayor, or the executives signs that law, then the judicial branch is supposed to step in and say, you overstepped your bounds. We're going to overturn that. Right. And so they are supposed to be above the fray, if you want to call it that.
1: Yeah. So.
0: But in the case of a prosecutor and that's what the district attorney is, right? The chief prosecutor for the county, which in this case is Queens. And of course, then they hire, they call them ADAs, right? Assistant DAs to take on all these cases, you know, they're the lawyers who work in the office and they go out and actually do the work. They do set the agenda because they decide which cases ultimately get prosecuted and which ones don't. So it's not like everyone who gets arrested by the police is gonna be charged by the DA, right? They have a lot of discretion in terms of which cases that they're really going after. And I think that makes it a little bit more political because you're gonna wanna know before you vote, which kind of cases are you gonna try to prosecute here? Are you gonna try to lock up everyone who was caught, I don't know, urinating, even though that they decriminalized that that behavior. But you know, are you gonna go after petty offenses very aggressively? Are you gonna focus mostly on violent crimes? Are you gonna go after white collar people, even though, you know? The attorney general starts getting into a lot of that stuff, but but what is you know what is your approach going to be here? I mean, I think that's something you do want to know of those candidates. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm sorry. What was that about urination? <laughs> yeah, public urination. That that goes back to the quality of life, broken windows theory, right? <laughs> there are a lot of people who believe that offenses that would be considered petty or relatively small time on their own are indicative of larger criminal behavior existing right so they're like all right if a lot of people are doing things like that graffiti or you know urinating on a building on the street or whatever like, let's be harsh on them let's get them off the streets because that will keep our streets cleaner and safer that's that theory right and they did in new york city decriminalize a lot of those so-called quality of life offenses like i think public urination someone correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's a violation now and not a misdemeanor anymore. And so the DA wouldn't be able to charge you just for doing that. But there are a lot of people who want the DA to be as harsh as possible and prosecute as many people as possible. And then there are a lot who think that that they're over overly harsh already. And they think that the focus should be on ending incarceration or ending mass incarceration. Right? There are people who, who believe that, too. And then there are people who are more in the middle. Who say, you know, I think people who commit serious crimes should be prosecuted, but maybe we should be careful we don't over prosecute. And maybe we should direct our resources because we have a limited number of resources. Let's direct the resources we do have to going after the serious criminals. So, right. you know, there are all different types of approaches here. And again, it's going to be interesting to see how Queens votes and how different neighborhoods in Queens vote, right? You might look at a more conservative area and see them vote in the Democratic primary even for that more conservative. Da candidate you know or maybe Katz wins everywhere if her resources just were able to overpower everyone else's because she does have the most money she does have the most endorsement she is being supported by the democratic party by i think all the unions if not most of the unions that are getting involved in this so the power is definitely on her side she is the
1: incumbent you know let's keep that in mind right yeah so now briefly i think it'd be important to say what um the district attorney does and right? what's their function yeah well we said it they're the prosecutor so they hire a staff
0: of 88 assistant district attorneys and they're then assigned cases right when the police arrest someone for a crime so if you have someone who commits with a call violation like something that you would get a ticket for the prosecutor doesn't get involved in that but when it's a crime it is up to them to decide whether the case is strong enough, whether the evidence is there, you know, whether the witnesses are cooperating and so forth. Whether the person wants to press charges and, and pursue it, if there is a, a crime there and there's a case, then they are the prosecutor in the case. And so the person who is now standing trial or for facing this uh, charge will have to defend it. So they get their own lawyer. Maybe it's a public defender. Maybe they hire a Maybe they represent themselves. But it's it's their case now where they're defending themselves against the prosecutor and so when you see you know um the state going after someone in a certain county it's a it's a da it's a prosecutor who's the lawyer representing the government against the accused
1: right yeah so yeah how, and and so you said tonight is the uh primary so how's the turnout looking is any info? Yes. On that? yeah very very low and you kind of expect it to be a low
0: turnout year in general because it is what they call an off year you know every 20 years even the city council does redistricting and they've got these two-year terms so You know, the mayor, for example, ran for election in 2021. The next mayor's race will be in 2025. 2023 is like this midterm year. So it's even lower than it normally is. Um, When I was in Howard Beach voting earlier, the poll worker there said that in all of early voting, the nine-day period preceding this, I think there's only 54 people voted in the area. So that's an abysmally low number. That's like about between five and six people a day voting.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, it's kind of embarrassing, but I, I think some of it, I think we can probably attribute some of it to, um, you know, one, it's a lesser so-called lesser race. You know, a lot of people don't turn out unless it's like the big show. Um, and two, like having that understanding of what you're voting for, like people, I think, I think in general, people hear about district attorney or the ADA, they hear it more on TV, TV shows, movies, but actually knowing what they do in the community, what their function is and why you should vote for it, I think is not as widely understood as, you know, your senator, your congressman, your president type of thing, mayor. And even
0: that, let's be honest, most voters vote straight party line on Congress and senator and that kind of thing also they're really paying attention to the presidential race, maybe then governor and maybe mayor. Right. But aside from that, it's like, you know, most people like, unless you like, you're really into it, you're the type who comes out and votes every single year and you're really involved. Most voters are not paying attention at that level to those local or those non major, major offices, right? Because most media doesn't cover it. You'd have to look at local papers. You'd have to look at your local news channels in New York, New York one or something like that. But you turn on CNN or right MSNBC you're not getting local stuff right these are national stations you're getting the presidential race maybe something on, on your governor's race
1: right and you'd have to do a little bit more of your own research in that regard um you know looking up the candidates yourself you could set google alerts and whatnot for, right. to trick for anything that comes out for these people's names but you know it's, it's it is a little bit extra in regards it to is climate.
0: and that's also why these low turnout races tend to favor incumbents yeah, because these are the people who are kind of part of the establishment in a sense, not saying that they're candidates or politicians themselves, but, you know, they vote all the time. And they're much more likely to know the incumbents personally because they're very much involved in the neighborhood, and the community, and, you know, they, they see that person's name a lot because they are paying attention. And it's just that kind of thing. Also, the incumbent has the resources to get people out, to get out the vote drive, right? They can knock on the doors and make the calls and say, hey, you need to rise to the polls. They've got the organization behind them to get people out because they're not coming out on their own to vote for mayor or, or high ticket election. They're actually being led to the polls for the most part by the candidates. And so it comes down to resources and organization.
1: Right.
0: So, so There you go I hope you vote, whoever you vote for If you can, you've got another hour and a half If you're watching this live, 9 o'clock Polls close, and it is important You know, If you have a question who the candidates are Feel free to hit me up, I can explain it But um, as I said, in the DA's race It's very interesting because it does break down Somewhat cleanly in terms of A progressive DA A moderate DA, or a conservative DA Which kind of DA do you want? right absolutely all right and i think we got to wrap this thing up a little bit early tonight
1: yeah we we have to it just so happens uh i am going to be doing guest lecturing at temple university japan I have a class starting in about five minutes okay. um i thought it was going to be at a different time but uh they sent me the time back and it was the 8 40 a.m class which um i think it's 7 40 over there in, uh your time so. yeah um yeah I just got that in yesterday I was like whoa wait a minute I thought this was afternoon so gonna be lecturing there actually I don't know the past two years every semester I've guest lectured um there at the school so yeah it's nice. pretty cool yeah so so I hope you're more prepared for your master class than Nas was uh, I'm. I'm a little bit more prepared I think okay. I am I'm, I'm I'm ready. So we're going to be talking about you know some BLM stuff. People are going to they've got some questions they want to ask about uh, student resource officers in schools, um, prison system, and um, you know abolish the police because a lot of the students are are international students, not not just uh, American students. So they're looking at it from an outside point of view, not understanding um, or experiencing what um, is happening in the states or you know the context of it. So they might have right. different ideologies or they might not even know a lot about it they've heard something about it and don't understand it so they hear the buzzwords maybe right right so yeah it'll be interesting Uh, last time i had some pretty good questions from from a couple of the students so why are americans so crazy is that what they're asking (laughs) um not quite but um i'm sure they're
0: thinking it so. Reminds me that sci-fi episode where the, the japanese tv executive is
1: like is this customary in your culture like we don't understand this at all <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah we'll have to wrap it up but again youtube as as always check us out on youtube and instagram nuance show um next week we can get into the poll question we did have um about 1300 views on the last poll question okay and um go there for the recaps and of course uh podcast where we're podcasts are at
0: Yes. And the bottom line is vote, vote, vote. Even if you think it's not going to matter, it's a low turnout race, it's predetermined, it's the outcome is in. Whatever you think, it's important to register your vote and get that turnout up as much as possible because people do look at where the votes are coming from, believe it or not. Even if you think that the winner is already going to be you know, known in advance, whatever whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Show that there's turnout here and that the people who get into office have to respect your neighborhood because the people of your neighborhood vote. Boom.
1: Thanks. There you go. All right, we'll catch you next time we've got work to do, guys.